Welcome to Reuse on Replay with the Reusable Packaging Association. I'm Tim Bevis with RPA. Our podcast features experts and thought leaders from around the reusable transport packaging industry in a conversation about reuse systems for the distribution of goods in the supply chain. Our podcast guest is Willemaine Peters, founder and director of the enterprise consulting firm, Serious Business. Willemaine and I talk about the mission of Serious Business to prevent plastic pollution in the environment and its work in partnering with leading brand companies to design and implement plastic recovery systems, including reusable packaging models. The experience of Willemaine and her team at Serious Business, from numerous on-the-ground projects worldwide, offers clients unique insights and problem-solving capabilities that are leading the way in sustainability. Thanks for listening. Our guest is Willemaine Peters with Serious Business. Uh, Willemaine, welcome to RPA's Reuse on Replay podcast. Thanks a lot. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, for our listeners, we should clarify that the spelling of serious business is actually S-E-A-R-I-O-U-S. It's a clever play on the word in reference, of course, to eliminating plastic pollution in the ocean, which we'll get into on this uh, podcast. And Villamina, I'd like to start by asking you about your professional background. It seems that it intersects uh, between business and sustain- sustainability at a time that was relatively up and coming or new uh, with sustainable professionalism. And what can you tell us about you and your experience in leading to what you do today? Yeah, that's correct. I studied business and I started off as a business controller for a big international firm and um, decided that uh, I don't take for money. I think I am part of a bigger ecosystem and I wanted to make a change in the world of sustainability. So I've been working in sustainability for almost 20 years now. And I've always been at the crossroads of where business intersects with uh, sustainability. So always working together with front-running companies, we're at the forefront of either sustainability or circular economy. And as reuse is a big part, I think, of circular economy, reuse has been uh, within the scope of my work for a long time. I I have uh, started my own company, Serious Business, uh, for over six and a half years ago. And have focused always on creating a circular economy in plastics. So really focused on plastics and keeping the plastics in the economy and outside of the environment. So mission of the company is to avoid uh, new plastic waste. And um, we're very much uh, focused on working with companies that do see that um, as a common objective and want to work together with us on projects to eliminate plastic waste. Sure, in, in serious business, it, it's a consulting firm, but I've seen words described as a social enterprise, uh, as ways that you can partner with with brands and retailers and other organizations uh, to tackle that mission of zero plastic waste in our oceans and eliminating the sources that lead to uh, plastic pollution. In fact, you use a word about mind shifting solutions for circular plastic use. And I, I always find that's very appropriate. It's a great word because in many ways it is about shifting the mindset. It's about changing the thinking that ultimately we anticipate and hope uh, to change behaviors as well as looking at packaging as assets and, and valued materials that we can circulate uh, through the, the supply chain. And so Series Business really focuses on that, that, that circular system as it pertains to packaging in this case. Is, uh, do you find that the, the principles of circularity was kind of a, a nice uh, uh, draw or a, uh, 
is kind of a lead in in terms of when you launched a serious business a few years ago? I think for me, uh, circular use of plastics makes uh, economic sense and is the right way forward for the environment. I think uh, there's nothing wrong with the material in itself, but it's wrong the way we're using it as a single-use disposable thing, whereas we live on a, a finite world with finite resources. So it doesn't make sense to keep having this take-make-break system, uh, having a linear use of materials, either if it's plastics or anything else. Um, so for me, it always made economic sense as well. Um, yeah, I'm always looking it, at it as a kind of former business controller as well. So looking at the economic side of it and the environmental side. And I think you're right. We do need a shift in behavior. We need a shift in operations and we need to need a systems change. So that's why I set up Serious Business. It is, as you say, like a B Corp or a social enterprise. So it's a for-profit company, but with a big hairy mission. And I think that's what is really, uh, yeah, it's a new way of doing business. It's just a way of doing business by doing good. And of course, uh, business has a role. In fact, in many cases, it could be a leading role in, in driving that, uh, that shift forward. Uh, and certainly, you're looking at it, again, as an enterprise in ways that companies can uh, move towards circularity. Many of them have made the commitments, especially in regards to, to plastic uh, packaging. And you're here to, to help them uh, how to implement uh, and look at different uh, uh, variables uh, within their particular market or supply chain or they're interfacing with uh, with consumers and, and how to be able to bring to market uh, successful, in this case, reuse systems or other mechanisms uh, such as recycling in which you can make sure that the, there's no plastic that's being polluted in the environment. Uh, and so you really focus on that, but working with clients, working with uh, consumer product, uh, uh, consumer brand companies, uh, and also uh, with retailers as well. Is that a, a big part of your, your focus and partnering with uh, the, uh, you know, the, the consumer product goods companies, the retailers, and uh, really looking at how they can, you can drive their circularity forward? Yeah, exactly. I think you're right. A lot of companies are um, acknowledging the fact that they will have to change they use, how they use materials. They just don't know how. And I think that's where we come in. So we are both giving strategic advice and helping to implement. And you see that the pressure is on mostly with companies that do B2C. So are really towards consumer facing because the public pressure is on, but also governmental pressure is on. And it cascades down through the value chain. So more and more the B2B like also the logistics companies are feeling that pressure more and more. And so we see more and more companies within that sphere asking for our help as well uh, to see how we can help in reusing, uh, helping them to, to switch to reuse systems. So yeah, it's tremendous need in the, in the market. I mean, it's one thing to have an idea. It's one thing to have a goal, but then implementing it, especially that you know, fairly radical shift of going from a linear system to circular uh, when you're managing assets uh, and you've, you're you're really looking to design out waste and extend you know product utility and value as long as you can. Uh, that is a, a holistic uh, change uh, to how products are are made and of course uh, utilized uh, and distributed in the case of business to business supply chains. Uh, and so you you've packaging is a big area, of course. Uh, that's where we see a, a lot of waste. Uh, you also look at furniture and consumer electronics, uh, which are other you know big sectors. And I found that fascinating because we do know there's a lot of waste in those areas. Uh, and you know, looking at the series business, uh, you can take very similar approaches, uh, similar methodologies, and how you would look at circularity 
but they're they're interacting differently within each of those markets. But you're casting a pretty wide net. Uh, but being able to drive that expertise to be able to support uh, all three of those sectors. And uh, do you find that there's a lot of uh, crossplay uh, in terms of uh, models and systems for packaging that could also work for furniture and consumer electronics? Yeah, I do see a lot of synergies there. The reason we chose for three sectors is also because at least we're based in Europe. So in Europe, the European Commission is quite well stipulating what's going on and uh, legislative changes are coming. Uh, those three sectors um, represent a big part of the plastics used within the industry. And uh, we see that there are a lot of, like, because the furniture and consumer electronics sector are more like long cycle products, whereas packaging obviously is a short lived product. Um, but because in pack, uh, because in furniture and consumer electronics, you see a lot of move towards uh, uh, refurbishment, leasing constructions, um, uh, product as a service. And you there's actually always, a, of course, a link with packaging because all of these products need to be packaged. But also within those leasing models, you can see quite some elements that would be interesting for reusable packaging as well. So a lot of the things that are about traceability and about reverse logistics also account for packaging. So I think that's a really interesting move. And I totally believe in, in that uh, the fact that if companies are the agents of change. I really believe that they are. And if they do it properly, there's also a profitable business model to be derived from it. So there's a lot more touch points with your customer when you move into reuse. And if you set it up right, uh, you will boost that customer loyalty and it will attract new customers. And I see that in all three sectors. Oh, that's great. And as you were talking, I was thinking, yes, you're right. Uh, with all of the ways that consumer electronics can be refurbished or repaired, uh, it's the packaging industry that I think could take notes and learn from uh, what how those sectors uh, with electronics and furniture are, are really advancing. Even they're higher value goods, of course, than, than say a, a, a tote or a crate or a box. But uh, at the same time, uh, there's the lessons learned uh, that it's value and that value should be preserved and continuously uh, used. And so there good examples uh, as well. And, you know, I'm thinking about how serious business uh, tackles these problems. I mean, these are huge macro uh, global issues. And I was struck and, and we've you know heard this before in terms of how uh, plastic is entering uh, the oceans. And uh, from your uh, website, uh, that you're looking at 20,000 kilos or really 22 tons of plastic enters our ocean every minute. <laughs> I've seen the annual figures, uh, breaking it down to a minute uh, where you've got 44,000 pounds uh, into the ocean. And that's um, that's striking. It's uh, uh, frustrating, uh, but you're tackling it. You're out there saying, okay, well, we've got to start somewhere, right? Uh, uh, let's go ahead and start looking at all these systems approach and, and looking at circularity as a way uh, to, to solve this. Uh, so when you're looking at these problems and you may work with some customers, is there a, a common approach that, that you have, I guess, first understanding what their impact is, what their footprint is on the environment? Is that a good place to start is looking at a, a measured approach of what they're doing today so you have a benchmark for progress and tell me a little bit about how in general you would start uh, working with a, a client and understanding uh, what their circularity is all about yeah indeed there's a very systemic approach how we work together with companies and the the requests are quite similar actually these these days uh, so what we typically do is we try to get a, like a plastic scan of the company where they're using plastics but sometimes it's also taking into account other packaging materials our focus is on plastics, but obviously it needs to be, yeah, 
it's a mixture typically of cardboard and plastics and metal or glass, whatever is in there. Uh, and we're trying to see what we can improve. So there's always this approach, like threefold. One is um, moving away from single-use virgin plastics. Uh, and that means that you're not just moving away from plastics to cardboard because it feels better, whatever. No, we're running life cycle analysis on seeing what is the best option out there. And there's always an option to move away from virgin plastic. So if it's still plastic is the right option, then move to recycled or move to a, a bio base or, or somehow making sure that you don't have to use any virgin resources. The second one is reuse. So reuse is really big in our work because this is also a way of how to avoid single-use plastics. And the third one is closed-loop recycling. Uh, and we have that same approach in all the companies. And we saw specifically for reuse that we were doing lots of similar assignments. And as um, a company um, wanting to create a positive impact, in fact, we measure the tons of plastic waste we avoid together with our clients. And we report on this every year. Um, we wanted to make an even bigger impact. So we decided to um, develop a playbook for reuse. It's meant for brand owners and retailers. Uh, but I, I think it's also very valuable for their suppliers to do more B2B, um, where we have um, gathered a lot of our knowledge and our expertise and our advice in terms of when do you switch to reuse. It's not always, it's, it's like there's a whole set of solutions needed, right? With that much plastic being wasted, there's not just a silver bullet solution. So it's a range of solutions and reuse is one option, but it doesn't always make sense. So there's a decision tree in it, for instance, for when to switch to reuse and when not. Uh, but also there's tools in there to make sure that you're making the right choice. For instance, there's a cost benefit analysis in there where you can put in the different variables. So it tells you the maximum distance between um, a distribution center and a reusable, like if you have to rinse it or if you have to refurbish it. Um, so a couple of like standard items in our work, what, like how do you switch to reuse? What is a good reuse solution? What are interesting partners? How does those logistics work? What about cleaning? What about standardized formats? How do you set it up right? And all of those options are in a playbook for reuse. And we're hoping to be able to get to more companies and help them with their how on reuse uh, to, to scale that up. That's and amazing. Actually, a very, quite a valuable uh, document. And then when you overlay the real world experience that you have in helping to interpret or to uh, take those guidance uh, into the commercial application, uh, I could see how that could be extremely uh, valuable for your clients. Yeah, I think so too. And I also think because now, um, uh, obviously, because we bundle it, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it is for sale, but it is not such a high price as we usually sell our hours for, um, because this is something that we want to spread as much as possible. So I think it's a very lucrative offer as well um, uh, for companies. to. So it's a cost effective option, in fact, and to see how they can uh, best benefit of other choices made, but it's also based on real life experience. So it's not just something that's written down and we think it sounds right. No, we have implemented reuse systems and seen what worked and what didn't work. So it's, I think it's invaluable to take note of these uh, uh, lessons if you want to implement reuse. And, uh, One of the, the challenges I think with reuse is when you do a life cycle analysis, generally it's a snapshot of, of say a projected model, uh, but reuse, especially on the onset, uh, you know, really hasn't hit a scale or, or there hasn't been the capture of opportunity that could work with other systems. Uh, it could, uh, you know, scale and, and all of a sudden uh, gain uh, 
uh, you know, the, the the quantity or the the volume that's going to help drive efficiencies, or you know, maybe the scale allows you to put a service center in a closer period and thus reduce transportation. Uh, and so, when you're looking at, at you know, lifecycle analyses and other things with reuse, to me, it, it oftentimes thinks, okay, well, that's you're basically understanding the impact at a, at a point in time. Uh, and we should really look at reuse as the ability to grow and thrive uh, and ultimately help drive costs and deliver more efficiencies, enable technologies and automations. There's just so many things that a scalable system has. Uh, and I think you probably find that, right, is, is you're implementing reuse systems that, wow, okay, as it builds, there's many other things that you could build off of that as the infrastructure uh, and the operational logistics come online. And it must be exciting when you see that in person with your customers about, hey, let's, uh, you know, let's look at this reuse system, but gosh, imagine what if it continues to grow and we can do so much more. It's probably a, quite a discovery moment for you. Yeah, indeed. Especially this is why I also get really excited about um, customers like retailers because they have always the opportunity to scale it up with their suppliers and make it much bigger also with their logistics partners. So we always make like an ideal case solution, which is like twofold. One is a suboptimal and one is like the optimal where you have volumes of scale. So you start first, you have to start somewhere. You can always start like, but it's not like you say, it's often not even matured yet. It, you still need to have like the starting phase, which is suboptimal. Uh, so up until a certain volumes of scale, you're working at a yeah less efficient way of doing reuse. But uh, once a company, or in this case, for instance, a couple of retailers have seen the opportunities, then they say, okay, well, let's now involve our suppliers. <laughs> and then it gets much bigger. And then you get these synergies of scale. And then you can have this joint cleaning service, or you can have a joint logistics service. And that's where the real um, uh, interesting uh, collaboration efforts go, because then you can all jointly work together in the value chain to avoid uh, single-use packaging. That's when it gets exciting. And for those who have a, have had a chance to see that, the aha moment, it's like, oh, wait a minute, we really have something here. And I can see so many other benefits beyond just moving a product from A to B or beyond engaging with a, a, a consumer with your, your branded packaging. Uh, and so it, it, it can be uh, you know quite an eye-opener, but also a quite uh, exciting time uh, when you're modeling and scaling reuse systems. Uh, well, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, some examples uh, because uh, you've done quite a bit. Uh, we even just looking at your website at Siri business.com uh, series with the SEA uh, you know you show quite a bit of uh, of examples that you have in terms of uh, working with uh, consumer product goods companies uh, working with retailers so is there one that stands out from a reusable packaging of your work with uh, with a consumer goods company uh, perhaps uh, that you might be able to share to give us a sampling as to some of the things that you've worked on yeah, obviously, some of the ones I think are most exciting are the ones I am not allowed to talk about yet. But, Understand. Uh, some, but some are really exciting about um, having, uh, for instance, a producer of food moving to uh, reuse, whereas you have to not just have that reusable packaging from a store to a consumer, but all the way from the factory to distribution center to the store to the consumer and back, which I think is very exciting. If you can make that work, it's yeah, that's so much more challenging than having, uh, uh, like, yeah, I don't know, just a, between a supplier and a, a customer. That's that's an easy one because often, oftentimes they just have regular uh, logistic streams, right? So yeah, you visit your customer every week and you supply it like 
give a new one load and then you can take the old one back and it's like a no-brainer to do reusables. But if you're moving from a factory on food and think about hygiene and and, and safety and also all the, the traceability and it's it's really challenging. So I think that those are ones that some of the ones that we think are, are most interesting if we can make it work in that um, um, sense that, that works perfectly. But I think even sometimes the 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 way you work on reuse internally within a company is is eye-opening because when we start working on reuse, we oftentimes always want to involve marketing, whereas it's typically a supply chain solution or a packaging division that's mostly involved. But we always tend to get like, but with reuse, you definitely need your marketing department on board. (laughs) It's often starting from like a cost of efficiency or from a risk a point of view so we have like this pressure we need need to switch to reuse we don't know why and the customer loyalty element is not in yet so we always bring it in like you cannot just look at reuse like uh, as a standalone thing no it has all these touch points so you'd be able to like you say like create synergies maybe work together with other suppliers there's a lots of data that you can derive information from what if you get like automated messages on on yeah your reuse system is ready to be picked up or or it's almost running out and then you can easily you don't have to yeah you can integrate it with your it system to have like just-in-time deliveries and all of that mm-hmm. so it, there's a lot more opportunities than just having a reusable packaging but that it needs to involve marketing and once people understand that point they will totally see additional revenues coming from the model and being to create new services and link together with partners that can offer those additional services so i think that's the exciting opportunity there i want to ask you about one more example a case study that is an exciting area that you're developing as i've seen on your website but one of the takeaways is your work is really worldwide from activity in the caribbean and Cyprus, the Baltic area, uh, and Zimbabwe. But one in particular is the Moroccan experience uh, where you've uh, worked collaboratively with with retailers on a two-step program. And you've got a nice case study that's talking about uh, what the challenge is and how you're you're, uh, looking for solutions and working collaboratively across the the retail industry there in Morocco. Uh, But then also setting the stage to do things in reuse. What what can you tell us about uh, your case study uh, with your activities in Morocco. Yeah, good point. Yeah, it's one thing to do reusable in a country like uh, Germany, which has been doing a reuse forever, uh, but it is quite different to do it in Africa. Uh, the dynamics are totally different. Nobody was up for reuse and still we wanted it. So uh, we were hired by uh, the ministry to help avoid plastic waste in Morocco. So um, duplicate some of our efforts that we were done in Europe towards Morocco. And we did it twofold. So looking first as how much plastic is being used and with which applications. So where can we make the biggest difference? So there was no deposit return scheme yet, uh, for instance, for PET bottles. So that was one of the projects we ran to set up a deposit return scheme and work together with bottlers, um, retailers and recyclers in order to make that closed loop. But the second one was on reuse and reusable food containers in particular with the retailers and set it up. Uh, so this is really, uh, for them, it's a big thing. Like uh, nobody ever brings something <laughs> back to the store. That's outrageous. There's, the whole system was not geared up for it. They didn't know how to handle within the operations or within the IT system. And I think that that 
discussion alone, which took a couple of meetings, <laughs> was really interesting to show like, no, the way you're using materials now doesn't make sense. You need to be able to own your reusable food container. It can be branded as such. You will be able to track where it goes. You'll be able to send push mass messages to your customer and, and know that they will get back to you once they get like some kind of discount or incentives to bring back your food container. So there's all these touch points. And for them, that was really like, this is really crazy. It's like, yeah, but let's still do so let's still do it because the two go together. So and that's why I had a bit of leverage from the PT bottle uh, project to also start reuse in the same stores. And uh, we're really surprised with the outcome. So uh, uh, really excited to um, be upscaling it. Now we're upscaling it now with other, uh, with more and more stores. And of course, it's still, um, you need that behavioral change. So it's constantly needing uh, support from a, like a campaign and communications uh, but uh, I think uh, now marketing has seen the potential uh, there's there's a lot more to gain from that that side well I, I like that two-step approach and it could even be more steps but the thinking is as you noted earlier is that there's not necessarily one silver bullet or one way to, to tackle it you're saying that let's let's start off with looking at a recycled PET bottle and start building culture about recovering the, the valued materials and then as that culture starts getting more in tune with uh, the say the sustainability practices and retailers are coming on and they're, and they're seeing maybe some of the benefits in that customer loyalty especially at the retail level with a reuse program, it's it, you can ease into it a little bit more than say diving right in into a, a reuse program. And so it's great that you have both of those components and can continue to add uh, when we're working. Uh, but the, the bottom line is that this the retail community there in Morocco is interested in doing this. They, they want to do it. The, the government's involved with the, the ministry. And, and it, those are the, the key parties, I think, that have to have the will in order to, to pull this off. And it sounds like though we we're in need for an update, so maybe we have a follow up uh, conversation uh, next year. We can get some results and and see how it's going. But I I wanted to, to conclude uh, to ask you something. I'd be amiss if I didn't. Uh, I'm sure you're actively involved in the United Nations uh, Plastics uh, Treaty on Ocean uh, or Plastic Pollution in, in particular. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, on that? Uh, it's uh, quite an undertaking. A lot of uh, governments, a lot of countries, uh, you know, see the, the need, uh, the potential. It's got a long way to go, but it sounds like it could be a, a pretty strong, uh, you know, worldwide or global universal, uh, you know, set of guidelines, conditions, and commitments. Uh, are, you, are you actively tracking that? Am I right? The, your engagement and, uh, and work in that area? Yeah, you're totally right. Uh, obviously, I'm in it for a systems change, right? I want to make a difference in the world of plastics. So yeah, I was asked uh, by the United Nations Environmental Program to act as an advisor to the UN for the UN Treaty on Plastics. And I am, and I'm glad to do so because I think the pressure is on. There's This is really an emergency, the way we're using plastics. And the amount of plastic being produced is only... Uh, forecasted to, to double, triple, whatever. It's going to be worse. So if we don't act now, um, there's all these different countries that are going to make their own decisions on own legislation. So we need a strong UN treaty on plastics to make a harmonized approach to make sure that everyone knows what they're up for right so you're not having like all these different rules in different countries no there's just one set of rules that you need to live by and uh, i think we need to make it very ambitious uh, so it's set up right for the future and uh, i think everyone does understand that the the way that we're using plastic now is, is not is not um really sustainable at all <laughs> so avoiding is in there 
uh, and uh, reuse should also be a big part of the solutions because otherwise we're never going to make it. If you look at effective recycling rates, they're really, really low. And we've been working on it for a very long time. Decades. Very low. So the big hopes are up for avoid and reuse. So I think see a lot of potential also for the reusable packaging association to, to help their members in, in, in being stronger and advocating stronger for reuse because it's a vital in, uh, element we need in terms of uh, the future for, uh, for packaging. Well, congratulations on your role, the leadership position, uh, the, the direct input uh, that you're being asked to contribute. And, and, and frankly, I feel comfortable or comforted by it. Uh, because knowing that, that the expertise like you are, are involved at that level, uh, that you you understand uh, the power that reuse can bring, especially for plastics, uh, that's a great voice to have. So I, I feel good about that. Thank you so much uh, for serving that role and, and continuing to advocate to reuse, as you noted, as a, an important part of the solution. Not the only part, of course, but an important part. Uh, certainly more than, than what's being performed out uh, today in the commercial marketplace. And, and that, that larger voice is probably going to be needed. Uh, we see it here in the United States as far as individual states taking different approaches to things like extended producer responsibility. And there's not much harmony even in between the states. And uh, maybe this is, will trigger that more uh, universal setting, especially in North America, about the, those opportunities using policy to help uh, drive uh, source reduction and uh, waste prevention measures through reuse. Uh, so, yeah, but it goes both ways, right? So I'm equally excited about being part of a reusable packaging association and learning from the best examples out there from the members and seeing what's being like working and what's not and what policy could help to to really boost that reuse. Yeah, thanks. We were what we really is want to present accurate helpful information uh, at the end. Uh, even ourselves at the Reusable Packaging Association is uh, not just provide a theoretical approach to reuse, but a, the real-world practical experience of running reuse models. Uh, the companies in our membership that have been doing it for you know 30 years uh, of pooling assets uh, in reuse in terms of a third-party managed uh, program. And of course, as you noted, uh, we've been using uh, reuse systems for, for, for a lot longer than that. Uh, and at one time, they were the norm. So uh, you know, eventually uh, we've got to use the history and hopefully it does repeat itself uh, in this particular case. Yeah, indeed. It was a really a great pleasure. I enjoyed our conversation, Villa Main, and, um, and always a great to see your work uh, and serious business is really just at the leading edge of, of driving circularity as it pertains to plastics and, and packaging. And so uh, we're grateful uh, for your work and uh, really appreciate your time and being able to share some of your perspectives to our audience today. Thanks a lot. Pleasure is online.